We're joined on the morning brief by Deb Hutton, former senior advisor to two Ontario premiers. Deb, nice to have you. Thanks, John. Now, we always disclose that you have a candidate you favor, that's Anna Bailao, but it doesn't mean you can't have some degree of objectivity in watching a debate. And you did watch yesterday's debate. I did. I, I watched from beginning to end. I, I admit I did it on delay because it was a uh, baseball night at the Hutton Hudak uh, household. Yeah. <laughs> so I uh, watched it from the beginning to end. It was a really good debate. Steve Pakin is is so good at these things. And yeah. it's it's a lesson because the candidates hate to say no to debates. And we seem to have so many of them. But something like last night, if you did watch it or if you can find it, I actually think is quite instructive. And, and if you don't know what you're doing, it will help you, I think, make up your mind. Maybe not quite yet, but it'll certainly help you along the way. The thing that I found most interesting, other than the format was good and it was actually a controlled debate, is that unlike yesterday and even uh, the first debates, Olivia Chow was not the only person getting shot at. So I do think that we will see some movement in the polls. Uh, I think most campaigns recognize that after Victoria Day is when people really need to buckle down because we'll all start thinking about it a little bit more. It gets closer to E-Day. But there was a lot of cross-shooting yesterday. And I think that tells you that uh, polls are in flux and Olivia may not be retaining with such a degree that first spot. Yeah, I, one of the I'm trying to think of what movie it is. Is it Reservoir Dogs, where everybody's got a gun trained on somebody else? But I'm trying to do the geography or the geometry, I guess, of these candidates because there's some degree of jeopardy. You know, if you're a sitting city councillor and you pick a fight with Olivia Chow and she gets elected mayor, then you're pooched. And you know, the same thing if you go after the the former chief. So you know, you've got to be very careful about who you you try to take down. I don't think that this is quite the same, though, as a, a, a debate where party politics comes into it. Um, you know, it's not as open as that, where the liberals are going to depend on the NDP and, and, and the conservatives. But, but so I, I don't, but I don't think it's as stark as you're saying either. Uh, first of all, um, there were, I think, of the six, two people that weren't shot at as much, other than if they said something wrong, or in one case, they were flip-flopper, Brad, uh, Bradford. But Mitzi and Brad, I think, were off to the side. I think the four that you saw in contention last night uh, were Matlow, Chow, uh, obviously I'm going to say, <laughs> Anna Bailau, uh, and Saunders. And, and so I think those are the four to watch going forward. And I'm not sure of those four, any of them would be tending on the other for anything anyhow. Okay, so one of the big stories this morning is Pride being slammed by skyrocketing insurance premiums and increased policing costs. We're going to talk to the head of Pride live on the show this morning, so I think we'll learn an awful lot more about how this happened and why we're learning about it days before Pride Month begins. But what do you make of it? Yeah, so I have a few thoughts. First of all, insurance is an issue, so I have sympathy for that. I felt it in my own house, um, and and we have a problem with insurance, so I have some sympathy, as I said. Secondly, uh, they have expanded the route and added a beer garden, I believe. So I, I don't know how you can expect your costs not to go up and the insurance for those couple of things not to go up, along with the policing costs, if you're expanding your program. So, you know, a little bit of ownership on that. You can't treat the police in this city the way pride organizers have in the last number of years and expect them to do you a, a solid. 
the police are going to get their costs for what you're asking them to do because quite frankly you treated them terribly so i don't know how they can expect anything else uh, from the police yeah Finally, you know the though, thing okay, that, just on, one more point finish, sorry sure. john i i just i don't understand how this isn't a money maker like this is a massive and and in the last number of years i get it it was it was during covid but this has been a massive at least north american wide attraction so I, I don't know what's wrong that this isn't a moneymaker. So, I mean, those are the questions I'd ask. Yeah. Okay. Well, two quick things. One would be, yeah. it is a moneymaker, but the thing is the money's going into restaurants and hotels and not into pride. And even though they walk this big barrel and flag around and ask people to throw money in, the money ain't going to pride. It's going to private enterprise. Um, but on the policing issue, I mean, I'm not... Um, that vociferous about this, but at the same time, I've never understood why, like that, what they have said is if you are just in the parade, then leave the uniform at home and pretty, you know, I don't see that big a crisis there. But if you're a police officer who is proud of being a police officer and wants to go in to say, you know, I, as a police officer are supporting the pride uh, community or supporting the pride event, supporting the gay community. You, you don't think that they felt a little hard done by, by right, the but I, I have friends who are police officers and when they come over for dinner, they don't wear their uniform. Of course not. Yeah. But this, but what's wrong with saying, you know, I'm here, a big banner that says uh, bell media supports pride. Right. Like this is this is police supporting pride, which is what right. they had done for many, many years. And I realize Listen, I'm with you. This isn't yeah. a massive issue. But I just would say to the organizer, if, if you make it an issue, as they did with police officers, how do you expect, as I said, the police to do you solid? Right. I mean, I get it. And we can, I want to move on to other stuff. But at the same time, it's kind of a rabbinical point. But the point is, if you're off duty, then you don't need to be wearing your uniform. You want me to say, OK. No, we disagree. <laughs> we, we like do each disagree. other. Okay. Um, so the province handing out prepaid credit cards for people with smart thermostats so that your air conditioning would be turned down or up, depending on how you want to phrase this, um, when there's peak electrical demand. And I know that some people are like, oh, the government's coming into my home and now adjusting my thermostat. Only if you tell them you want them to. Yeah, and the thing about this is, in the in the old world of a carrot versus a stick, this is a carrot, and so you don't want the carrot, don't take the carrot. It's a lot better than all of us having to have a stick when it comes to energy consumption. So I don't know if it'll work well. I don't know what the uptake will be. It sounds slightly complicated to me, but hey, why not? I have to install a smart thermostat before I could ask for for the uh, prepaid card, but uh, it might be worth it. Um, follow your passion is BS says. An American millionaire and university professor. And in particular, what he's talking about is there, there are all these commencement addresses going on. And that's pretty well the core message of almost every commencement address. And he says, screw that. Following your passion is going to get you nowhere. Just do what you're good at. Hopefully you're passionate about that. So here's my take on it, John. I think he says, if you're following your passion, you're not going to get to where you want to go. If where you want to go is monetary success. And that's not to say all of us don't want to make money and be able to afford things that make us happy, but not everybody wants to be a multimillionaire. And so it is possible to follow your passion, make enough money to live and be happy. 
it is probably not for most people uh, a case where you can follow your passion and be hugely successful from a financial perspective. So I think it depends. If, if your passion's money, then you can do whatever you want. I also think it takes a lot of us a long time to figure out what we're good at. And sometimes we stumble into it backwards. And, and so, you know, at best you, you try different things. You do what you think you want to do. And then maybe you'll find out what you're good at. Deb, what a pleasure. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. You too, John.